you're all I've ever wanted. My arms are open wide. Okay, you know what? This is a good way to start. Wait, you're still in both. Huh? You got to mute in Zoom. I muted her in Zoom. Okay, we're cool now. (laughs) Tell me how much can I say? (laughs) Tell me what more can I do? Here's the thing that I want to know. What song, if you went through just like a dreadful Hugh Grant inflicted breakup, what song would you <gasps> drunkenly sing in your living room to make yourself feel better? Oh, my God. I don't even know if I can answer that question. I'm trying to think songs that are, like, cathartic for me to sing. Well, she she picks two really good ones. Mm-hmm. All by Myself is all time. Like, yeah. that that's up there it's she, i know we already talked about it but guys uh, welcome to Austin, austin a potlender drunk ass podcast i'm allison i'm julie that's janine hey uh we are this is episode two of talking about bridget jones's diary because we are still in volume one imbibing prejudice and this is chat do we decide it was chapter four chapter four, four bridget jones's diary um a, one of the great Pride and Prejudice adaptations and a fucking Christmas movie. Yeah. You're welcome. If it ends with you kissing in the snow, it Christmas counts movie. as a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely. Die Hard also falls into this category. Fuck it does. Yeah, well, f- I think the case for Die Hard is a little bit stronger, but this is still a Christmas movie. Yes, it's a Christmas movie. It's It just is. Um, so we are, we're at our halfway point. If you haven't listened to episode one, go back and do that because we've already expressed many opinions um, <laughs> and, and you don't want to miss our thoughts on, uh, I don't, I don't know. Anything that happened in Hugh the first Grant half of Bridget in a Jones pond. Diary. <laughs> you don't want to yeah. miss our thoughts on Hugh Grant in a pond. Um, however, this is part two. Uh, and what I want to know is what song other than, what's the other one she does? She does All By Myself. And, and it's it, and it's so good. She she gets all of the. It's definitely the way that you cry and sing when you are one hundred percent by yourself. And the the fucking drum miming with the kick <laughs> and like <laughs> oh, it's so good. Neil and I were just like, yes, that is so real. That yes. is just so honest. It's very very good. It's it's cool. So what would you sing in your living room? Man, I don't know. Like I said, All By Myself is a fucking classic, and she does it in this movie. There was that one by... The other one she did was Celine Dion, right? Yeah, I think so. And what was it? Uh, it Well, isn't it the Celine Dion version of All By Myself? Okay, yes. And then, what's the other one? I don't know what the other one was. Janine, will you go look up the soundtrack and see if you can find the other I'm gonna lip sync this when I just got dumped song? Um... I might also choose All Out of Love by Air Supply. Oh, that's really good. I'm all out of love. So lost without you. I know you were right. Like, oh, yeah. That's it. That's an all time sing and cry. Is it without you? Is it Mariah Carey doing without you? I can't live. Because if not, that's mine. Is it that? Is that the one she did? Without you. That is one of them. That would be mine. But I would also do. Mm. Back to Black by Amy Winehouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, I'll be because this is also one of my karaoke songs. Definitely, Whitney Houston's immortal classic. I have nothing, nothing, <laughs> <laughs> nothing to make me. Because really, th- that one change. gets which it has in common with every Celine Dion power ballad. A great key change is mm-hmm. really necessary for some good emotional catharsis. Yes. Yes. 
So that would be mine. What about you, Janine? Uh, I I think it would be Bon Jovi. Um, this ain't a song for the broken hearted. It, it might be that one as I like ramp up into my second bottle of wine. Um, <laughs> but I think uh, the one, I forget what it's called. The one that starts off with Romeo was bleeding, but you can't see his blood. Maybe that one. <laughs> Because I'd, be, I'd just be singing that line over and over and over again as other words go. But it would be that one. Oh, you want to know? I want to know what happens if we hit January 1, 2021, and all of a sudden Janine is back to mostly missing his jokes instead of consistently making Julie and I look like amateurs. Oh like, God. what is it going to be like when you're no longer the funniest one on the podcast again? <laughs> Jesus Christ. You oh. know what, Janine? Be better. Be better. <laughs> I'm just at home all, my, all the time, and I just, just you know hone, what? Hone in my shit. Hone Jimmy, in my shit. You are you're working. You're working on some new material. I feel like maybe the be better blanket is actually the metric against which all Mrs. Bennett's should be judged. Is it a good interpretation of Mrs. Bennett? Yes, but only if you can see that character throwing a blanket that says be better at her daughter. Oh, I can see this mom doing that. Yeah, Bridget Jones's diary passes the be better blanket yes, test. She well, would throw she, that blanket at She would her. throw the be, be better blanket. It would actually be a square of carpet that would then morph into a vest. <laughs> be better vest a poinsettia vest be better poinsettia carpet vest <laughs> great aces we're doing wonderful you guys okay so julie where do we leave our intrepid heroine well she just dumped that fuck boy and Ooh, then so let's do that because she didn't she got dumped but oh sorry this she is got where dumped, we start. And at the very end of last episode, we brought into the mix that she went into his office to try and break it off. And here is another great moment of costuming in this fucking thing. Did you, did you notice what she was wearing? Nope. Mm, no. Full coverage. Long sleeve t-shirt, long cardigan, denim skirt down beneath her knees, full tights, and like Nikes. Oh, you know what? I remember the trainers. Right, because she was coming in like, fuck you. Everything that you liked about me, that's not for you anymore. I'm trying to be professional. I'm trying to cover myself up, and I'm doing this, and then I'm going to quit. See, I think it's like, she go, she she is still thinking, what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Why didn't he want me? Why did he switch? to? Why did he cheat on me with this woman he just met? And that, so she's, it's very like, oh, I suck. I'm terrible. Why wouldn't I oh, is love this my kind of outfit? My fat day. Like I feel fat or yes. whatever. Yeah. yeah. She definitely is not feeling her best because the next time we see her in her, in his office, she's wearing bright pink, but we'll get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's obviously in an untenable situation. She's not feeling good about it. She needs to get out of that office. So we get a great job interview montage. Can we talk yes. about this job interview montage? Yes, of course. First of all, what are her qualifications? Neil and I had this question the entire time. <laughs> it's like, well, how did she go from publicist who's terrible at public speaking? Where did she get her job? How did she get it? Who does she know? I don't, there are several things I don't understand. Yeah. I think we'll end up talking about this when we talk about, when you and I talk about the book, Julie, because... My recollection is that she gets really lucky, but also she's sort of a, like a natural. She's good at the face-to-face stuff, which is what the TV shit is about to show us. She's really good at that kind of off-the-cuff relating, but when it comes to any of the kind of nuts and bolts and stuff, she's not 
good. Like, she would miss your meeting. She's always late. That's in the book. Is she's always late to work. And you know what? There, it that only goes for a certain amount of time before they're like, "Fuck you, you're done." So it's a little bit like, I guess they're giving her some leave, but it doesn't feel like they give her that opportunity in the in the publicist's office to really show that stuff. She it really comes out when she does the TV shit. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right. So she's. We get a good life lesson in this job interview montage, though, because the job she gets is the one where she's actually honest. The the Mm -hmm. other time, she's pretending to be something she's not and then hilariously revealing that she's full of shit. (laughs) My favorite of being like, I'm really passionate about communicating with children. And the Mm -hmm. guy who's interviewing her is like, do you have kids? She goes, oh, God, no. (laughs) Let's talk about her looking for high-end publicity and TV jobs in the newspaper want ads because that's fucking ridiculous. She's circling all those needed TV person needed, and I'm like, oh, girl, no. Well, they are obviously they're not they're not high level positions that she's getting, but yes. But then that comes back later. Why is she being sent to be the person on the scene for shit? I, you know, is she supposed to be on camera? Because it sounds like she's not no. supposed to be. And then she said, they're like, get Bridget on camera because we want some fucking legs. Or something like that. Yes. Yeah. She's supposed to be on site helping the shooting crew. Something. But Produce, then they... It was all like producer or production assistant. Right. Well, and then her producer was who was fucking slimy about the sleeping with the boss thing. Because that didn't make me feel good in his interview. Yeah, but then he turns around and is kind of awesome. He Yeah. But like that moment was... <laughs> that character is much more fleshed out in the book. And that character is terrible in the book. So don't okay. worry about it. Yeah. Okay. But before she... But, but before... So she gets that job because that's the one in the interview where it's like, what's it like? Sit up, Britain. Shout down, Britain. Like, yes, good morning, like Britain. Whatever yes. the fuck it's called. Um, but she gets that job because they're like, well, what do you want to this job? And she was like, well, I've shagged the boss, so I have to leave my job. And she got, great, you start on Monday. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess telling the truth is is always an option. But I, maybe not the best job hunting technique. No. I in think that, in the book. In that circumstance. In the book, it is a little bit clearer that the reason why she gets on camera the first time is because something bad happened and they just needed somebody to be on camera. Mm. Here, it it's weird, right? Yeah. I, I mean, in the film, you just have to admit that it feels like all of a sudden she's on camera for no reason. Yeah. Like, it's just kind of not earned. They just, like, threw her to the wolves all of a yeah. sudden. It was very random. But before yeah. she gets thrown to the wolves, she performs one of the great... I'm quitting my job scenes. Yes. In the history of cinema. It's yes. actually... Right up there with another Renee Zellweger joint, Jerry Maguire, yes. in terms of great public quitting a job scene. And I thought of that when I was watching it. Yeah. Well, I, was and like, it's, oh, yeah. I, I wonder if it, how closely, because uh, uh, that was 1996 with Jerry Maguire. So like, I'm curious if like uh, they were like, this is your, you get to do it now. <laughs> well, it's, oh my God, oh my God, you guys, you guys, you guys, you guys. It's so interesting because they make the guys do the Darcy dip in the fucking pond shit. So a movie that they were in or parts of movies or ideas that they have been in, Austin Time Films, and then fucking Renee Zellweger gets to take Tom Cruise's speech from her most famous yeah. movie and Fuck redo yeah. it. 
That's Fuck a great yeah. point, you two. That's yeah. fucking awesome. I've also realized something really important that we should not overlook here. Perpetua? Um, yes. No, I want to talk about Perpetua, but no, not Perpetua. Perpetua. Okay. No, um, I have, I want to be clear, I have read Bridget Jones's Diary. I am going to be rereading it so that Julie and I can talk about it, but I haven't read it for several years. I think since the last time a Bridget Jones movie came out, because I reviewed the last one, Bridget Jones's Baby. Um and I read it around that time. So, and had read it before then. Point being, I have read it. However, I haven't read it as recently as Julie has. Which means that Julie, why aren't you saying in the book? Well, because I'm never, I never feel confident enough on what I retained from reading a book. Oh. That's just the truth about me. No, 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 no. I, rem- I misremember or remember incorrectly or don't remember at all large swaths of things that I read. Yeah, but Julie, I that's me too. And it never <laughs> stops me being from in, being incredibly smug about having read the book. So just for kicks, mm-hmm. I, I just want to know how, how does the how does the depiction of this quitting scene compare to what you read in the books? Well, here's me not remembering shit. You don't remember. So I guess what that means is it was not as featured in the book as it was in the film. It was not as featured in what? In the book as it was in the film. Sorry, in what? In what? In the book. There, there we go. go. <laughs> <laughs> Rule of threes, dumbass. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. I didn't get that joke until the second repetition. <laughs> well done, everybody. Good job, us. Good job. Um, so basically, she she goes in. She quits. He tries to fucking condescend to her and emotionally manipulate her and she is not having it and perpetua sucks but everybody else is like with her they're in her corner but perpetua actually is with her yeah because like, perpetua is like i have been waiting for this shit <laughs> and let's fucking do it you piece of shit at least I, in the movie yeah well yeah because she stands up and she's like listen if she i'm gonna fire her if she gives one inch away because i've been waiting yeah i'm gonna fire I'm, her if she doesn't leave right now like get the fuck out of here make this happen <laughs> and neil says hey perpetua keep on keeping on oh fucking <laughs> christ that's a really deep <laughs> joke oh that's a real Neil joke. That's a very Neil joke. There's a lot of shit happening there. God, I don't have any alcohol in my house. <laughs> but the, <laughs> the character of Perpetua in the book is a little bit more set up to be a true villain than she is here. I mean, you get the kind of shitty, like, this woman's my boss and I don't like her crap at the beginning, but in the book it's a little bit deeper. Like, she is kind of a, a asshole so this moment is Perpetua's redemption, and then I don't think we ever see her again. And I think it's just more like Perpetua saying, I was where you were, I was where you are, and I know what you're going through, and fuck those fuckers. Like that. And it's nice, especially somebody who was set up as a villain mm-hmm. at the beginning. It's a very cathartic scene. And again, mm-hmm. in, a, in a bright pink sweater. Mm-hmm. And she makes her, I'm, I have to leave in, oh, three minutes. And she makes her exit and she calls back to the condescending fannying around with press releases and, um, and goes, I've, got a, I've been offered a job in television. And then she goes, she slides down that fire pole. Oh my god! Um, I TikTok before it was TikTok. Yep. When when she was leaving and like giving him the what's up, I was so nervous that that was a dream sequence. <gasps> I can see that. I was like, there's you know she we don't sometimes that happened enough in this, and I was like, oh god, mm-hmm. oh god, oh god, oh god, please make sure she said that, please. I don't or it's like not something worse. And then 
it didn't happen. But that was mm-hmm. a, that was my worry at the time. I was it was good. So she starts working for some kind of like two bit personal interest news channel. Sop it up, Britain. Yeah. So breakfast show. Dosey do, Britain. Let's let's smell my farts, Britain. When I when I lived there, there was a show called The Big Breakfast. And I bet that's what it's based on because that was like ninety six, ninety seven. And every morning before school, that's what me and my roommates would watch while we were drinking our coffee. It's drinking our tea. Let's be fair, that's where we lived. And also smoking mini cigarettes like before (laughs) nine AM in the morning. Oh my god. Oh I know. it's disgusting. Fucking dirtbag. I was 20 years old. What? But I, it really reminds me of the big breakfast. Like, it was like TMZ kind of feeling and, oh, like, God. terrible. Uh, well, she, she took it in stride, getting mm-hmm. that job and being thrown to the wolves quickly. I love the physical comedy of her trying to stop herself on the pole and pull herself back up. That shit is hilarious. Yeah. That scene is also very funny in the book. Yeah. Yeah. The way that it's written in the book is very good. And then, of course, she becomes famous for her ass. And at that time, she's in the process of attempting to turn over a new leaf. She's throwing out her vodka. She's getting rid of her cigarettes. She's making healthier choices when it comes to men. She throws out all of her toxic books about relationship and refills her shelf with a bunch of toxic books about self-love. Yep. <laughs> um, none of which are going to help her at all. But she's working on herself. She's committing time to herself. Good for you, Bridget. And then she gets invited to a fucking dinner party. Oh, Ooh, this dinner party. The smug mm. marrieds. Allison. Janine. Mm-hmm. Please tell me the truth. <laughs> are Neil and I smug marrieds? No. Well, well, not so quick. No, I have smug married friends. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've experienced the smug, uh, like, dual greetings uh, and kind of like, hey, so, like, how, like, how's that? No, you guys are not I would that. never ask you those questions. <sighs> I don't have many of those friends anymore. You are, you are not smug married, but you do occasionally, as I think all married people do, have some smug married tendencies. And and let's let's be real. Let's That's say fair. smug long-term partnered tendencies because I too have some smug long-term partnered tendencies that I recognize in myself. Mm-hmm. But remembering back to when I was crying alone in my apartment a lot, you know, 10 years ago, um, and spending a lot of time with the two of you and being invited over to your house for dinner because you didn't know if I was feeding myself. Um, I was feeding myself, to be clear. I'm not making light of like what people's inability to take care of themselves. However, I was a mess, and the starboards like to make sure I was eating vegetables. So um, that's, that's real. Um, thinking back to that, I would get a Google Calendar invite from you, Julie. I'm and the queen. Every Google Calendar <laughs> invite was a little reminder of how alone I was. Because all of Julie's Google Calendar invites are by default shared with Neil. Because That's true. They have a shared calendar. <laughs> so every it would be like Julie and Allison go to get manicures, and invited would be three people. <laughs> considered that before but that's 100 percent true yeah. <laughs> so there you go there's your smug married tendencies oh my god <laughs> when i tell him that he is gonna be so he's gonna no you know what here's a smug married moment here's gonna be his response he's gonna be like uh yeah i bet i i, I have to know what's on your calendar like that's gonna be 
<laughs> just like I'm not fed. saying you I should just stop. Need to, I just well, need to know where you are. It didn't, and it didn't obviously didn't actually ever wound me in any way, or I would have said something. <laughs> but I remember. God, that's hilarious. That's very great. the peak of like, wow, I'm incredibly miserable in my early days in Chicago came when when one night I lost my keys at the Oasis. Oh. Um, and you and Neil had already gone home and I was at the Oasis and sobered up pretty damn fast because I couldn't find my keys. And I couldn't get, like, you guys didn't have spares at that time and I couldn't get anyone on the phone and the people, I don't remember who even had, maybe Kate Hall had my spares. I couldn't remember who had my spares. I was trying to figure out someone who could get me to my apartment because I was at a 4 a.m. bar and lost my keys. Um, and at a certain point, first of all, our KJ, our beloved KJ, DJ Bacon, had DJ me Bacon. come sit on a stool next to him up <laughs> up at the karaoke thing. The because, karaoke stage at yeah, the Oasis. I just sat. I just sat by him. Then eventually I got Neil on the phone. And Neil said, okay, come over. It's like 3 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. So I come over and I'm waiting for my very dear friend, Brian Ruby, who lived very far away, who did have one of my keys, to haul his ass up to Rogers Park at like 2.30 in the morning to help me. Brian Ruby is a good person, good friend. Love you, Brian. You'll never hear this, but you rule. <laughs> he um, is good. He also, like Bridget Jones, is always late. So, um, <laughs> so I was waiting at the Starbirds, just crying about how I was going to die alone. Very all-by-myself Celine Dion moment. Only picture me doing that while Neil awkwardly pats me on the back. (laughs) (laughs) And then I would be like, Julie Starbird has invited you to Bell's Oberon Day. Who's invited? Julie, Allison, and Neil. Who's not actually invited. (laughs) He's not going. Just a little reminder. I I should start adding that note to the notes is, Neil for calendar purposes. He won't be there, so don't worry about it. I always knew he wasn't going to be there. I know. But I would be like, it's, it's, but you're, that you're right. I just That's... wish I had someone to keep apprised of my movements. Mm. Well, the There's only reason smuggler. I have to do that is because he used to call the state police on my ass. Oh, I've been called to find out where, you're, where you are uh-huh. on many occasions. Uh-huh. He does like to worry you're Neil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, let's get back to the smug married party of <laughs> Bridget Judd's diary. Jasper and I have a shared calendar. Of course you do. <gasps> well, good. I'm glad you're looking out for each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mostly a, uh, a a box of mice, and I just take one out if I'm leaving. I don't know what this mm-hmm. gag is. I'm just trying to say, hey, I've got someone, too. We're cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jasper is a treasure. He really is. <laughs> He's a treasure. He's a treasure. Uh, um, so she's at her smug married party, and you know who else is at the smug married party? Smug Mark marrieds. Darcy and fucking Ugh. Natasha. But they're not married, and that's a question. Why the fuck are they there? Well, well, they're she's partnered. N- they're together. N- Natasha's been like working that angle for a while. Yeah, I guess that's true. Also, yeah. she's friends with Perpetua. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but Perpetua came through, so now I'm like pro Perpetua. So I'm a little bit like, eh. yeah. Um. Uh. Then she Bridget is seated at the foot of the table, which is fucking classic. Because everybody else is seated next to their partner and she's all by herself at one end. And then she gets the barrage of questions that she always gets from the married people. And this time they are specifically funneled through the mouth of a just big ass douchebag. Fucking dick. He's the worst. And I love that they gave it to this guy. And He's they the didn't Lady make Catherine de Berg. They're, yes. They are collectively the Lady Catherine. Yes. Oh, 
party is definitely Rosings. Totally. Oh, that's totally Good job, true. Helen Fielding, Andrew Davies, and Richard Curtis. That's good. good. That's oh good. This God. is definitely her at Rosings. Yeah. Because they're Ugh. like, what's it like to be single? How's your love life? Why is there so many th- single women in their 30s? You should answer for all of them because you're single and a woman in their 30s. Good for right. you. Let's do yeah. this. Only got so much time patting on the belly of a pregnant lady. <laughs> Fucking Christ. So oh. she goes into another spiral. <laughs> Fucking hell. As I would too. <laughs> she is... um obviously very uncomfortable being condescended to not having a good time. And then she decides to take off partially because Natasha is a total asshole, right? She's like, not wearing a bunny costume. Don't take away her method of escape. When she says we're all covered in scales. Yeah. She does that first. So flat. It's just like, And then she leaves, and then Natasha comes down the stairs. That's I just no, want to make Natasha sure that Natasha does her- not come down the stairs. Um, she says this when she shows up, so it starts wrong, right? Like, she gets introduced to Mark and Natasha, and Natasha's, like, not wearing a bunny costume. And she says, oh, well, we bunnies try to whatever, because Bridget is a good sport, and everyone else sucks. <laughs> and finally, she makes her scales reference. She makes an escape. God bless her. And it's Mark that follows her down mm-hmm. the stairs. Because he wants to tell her that he saw her on television and enjoyed it. And he ardently admires her. This is definitely ardently admires. Oh, I love this scene. It's really, it's a very good scene. Maybe but, the best scene in the movie. Yeah. But then in, because he says, I, I like you just as you are. And she says, no, you don't. And he says, no, I like you very much. I, was this, was this a pop culture reference in Love Actually? Because, like, this is the scene where he goes, like, I just want to say that I like, do, I definitely could like you. He does that whole bit. That's the same. It's felt like the exact same lines that he uses in Love Actually when he professes his love to his Portuguese uh, uh, waitress. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, I except was wondering, he says, I love you. I was wondering whether or not it was more of a pulling out a Darcy, like P.P. Darcy speech and making it modern. Which Maybe. is what it felt like to me. It felt like that, but that specific moment of like, and I'd have to look up the like the full scene, but the cadence, the length, the the words he used, and then ending with "I like you." I, I was like, I see that. Is... I always forget about that plot line from Love Actually because mm-hmm. it's so t- terrible. God, yeah. that movie sucked. Agreed with all of that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, it was very good. But, but I did write down Darcy gonna Darcy because yeah. that was a Darcy speech, right? Mm-hmm. Like they just gave it to him. Yeah, and then. Um, she comes down from upstairs and calls him back. So in this, instead of his own pride getting in the way, it's his girlfriend. Kind of. Stop shutting it down. It's yeah. like Caroline Bingley was already sleeping with him, kind of. Well, we also and it, we also get our Darcy is an asshole moment and our like righteous Lizzie telling off moment later. Like mm-hmm. this is where the order is a little bit flipped. Yes. Because here he's she thinks he's insulting her when really he's not and he and he makes her believe that he's not and then disappears so instead she goes off and just is like no i totally hate him and we get a little montage of her thinking like he likes you so much just as you are she talks to her friends about it and you can see her sort of starting to warm on him the way that lizzie does post proposal in pride and prejudice yes. but mm. the telling off that happens in the proposal doesn't happen until the fight scene mm. yes mm, 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 mm. mm-hmm so he tells her he likes her. She 
glows in that. She leaves. As you just said, she hangs out with her friends. She mellows through that. And then this is where I have pre-Google because we got to talk about the sliding down the fire pole. She would have been world famous, like immediately. <laughs> she would have been cranberry drink, like fucking skateboard dude. Well, she would have been reporter stomping grapes falls out of the wine vat. Yes. Right? Yes, like, you're right. That's yes. the right era. More mm-hmm. humiliating. It's yeah. it's news bloopers are as old as news. It's very recognizable. It would just have even even bigger reach now because teens yes. would be recycling the sound of her going down the fire pole on TikTok. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the little shot of her butt just coming in over and over again. <laughs> it is very funny. <laughs> it is. It's very funny. So she's doing good at her television job and people like her. And it's because she's kind of a clown, I guess. a little bit of a clown. And then she runs into him while she's out on the job. Oh, buying a billion snacks. This is where Neil says, how is this earned? Why did the guy, her boss, send her on the huge high profile trial case? Right. That seemed a stretch massive he's like hey you're gonna go do this big ass thing by the way i usually just I, you're not even really a reporter you were kind of just given it and now you're gonna go it, it it was weird and and it works out in her favor obviously but it's it's just one of those little drops in this movie where it's occasionally like okay come on fine you know, you know though what i will say is that they're probably man i'm probably giving way too much credit to this guy um probably knew that they wouldn't give an interview and if they did get an interview it wouldn't have been a one-on-one it would have been hold the microphones you're essentially just totally taking whatever statement they have and that's it yeah they Mm -hmm. would have been like clumped alongside a bunch of the press outside the courthouse and then nothing would have come of it right she would have just said this is Bridget Jones into the camera okay that makes it better that makes it better for me so it would have been it wouldn't have been this she wouldn't have gotten the access instead she runs into Darcy while she's buying her zillion snacks and he just happens to be involved in this case. And then really, I mean, it is very, it's very romantic. It really is. She's incredibly unqualified, but it's so charming. Her, the way that she talks to them is so endearing and you can just tell, like, of course I would, you would want to watch that. Of mm-hmm. course you want someone who seems like a human being. So you understand why it is that it becomes a sensation. But, it's a, but it is happenstance. Can we talk about his barrister costume and how terrible it is? Because it looks like Al Capone met Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> I, I just want it's, to, it's bad. It's terrible. <laughs> it's why is he wearing those white ass stripes? They're so bad. But he's uh, so, but he just... Colin Firth might be the best at the look of anybody in the galaxy because we get a lot of that here. When she says, like, were you smitten with him right when you first... Did you fancy him right away? You can see him just sort of glow. And he obviously relishes this opportunity to do something nice for her. It's the whole thing. It's very, like, top-tier rom-com shit. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, man, you can understand why it is that she responds so positively for it. He really... Flying colors, Mark Darcy... I will say, though, this is the equivalent of Daniel saying he's engaged for me. Like, that, like, what? Where did that come from? All of a sudden, you're giving her high-level national right. access to something? Whoa, bro. Okay. Well, he's, I mean, he was defending. He was defending the guy. Sure. I know, but they weren't giving. They were giving the, statements. Specifically not giving statements to anyone. And then all of a sudden, because he thinks this girl is smart and funny, he's going to be like, 
here you go. Oh, I mean, it's, it's a stretch. I mean, yeah. he's obviously very smitten. I'm it's d- it's adorable. I but accept it's also all of like, that. But it was it was on the level of, and we're engaged. What? Whoa. <laughs> That's Neil saying, is this earned? Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. It's a very charming scene. Neil also very, very much like the soundtrack. Oh, it's a good soundtrack. The soundtrack is good. The, I mean, the like, the very best is it's raining men during the fight. Yes. But there are a lot of great <laughs> needle drops. That was a return note for Neil, because when it started happening, he's like, excellent song choice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, Darcy is definitely now in like the wow, very welcome zone. And then it's Bridget's birthday. So she decides to make a Neil Starbird culinary specialty. I have to tell you guys what happened to him when this scene was going on. Please. You're never... No, maybe you will believe it. Well, I mean, do we need context for this? Because I know the story, but I'm not sure Janine does, and for sure the listeners don't. I've never told a purple turkey soup story, you but have I... A purple Hold turkeys. on, hold oh, on. Gosh. It's coming. But I think that this was a larger idea for Neil, because it was about having people over and cooking for them just in general. Like, he wasn't necessarily equating it with purple turkey soup until the blue thread came into it. <laughs> but he was... He stood up. Like, he couldn't sit down and watch her cook. Because he knew that, like, she was going to fuck it up and she was having all the people over and he was, like, really nervous and he just had to stand to watch it. (laughs) And then when she pulled out that blue fucking nylon thread, he goes, purple turkey soup. (laughs) And I'm sitting over there smoking my vape going, do you need to talk about it, bud? (laughs) So one year after Thanksgiving, we had turkey leftovers and Neil wanted to make turkey soup. Like chicken soup, but with turkey soup, with the carcass, whatever. And he threw red cabbage in there, not knowing that over time, the red cabbage, like the chemical, the dye chemicals, like leach out. And so it was purple turkey soup. We both did our best to eat it. And you know what? I'm going to give it to those actors trying to eat that shitty shit, right? But after two bites, we were both like, throw it away. That scene is so funny because it just, again, because she's in on the joke, you know they love her. You can, this Mm -hmm. is a, it's a very warm scene. So yes, they are laughing at her, but it's partially because they trust her enough to, they're trying to taste all this shit. They they do. They eat it and they're trying so hard to be polite, but then, but the whole time she knows that they're trying, like she's in on it. It's so fun. (laughs) With omelet, because the omelet, I'm sure, was perfectly edible as long as they didn't use whatever that gravy was (laughs) yeah oh my god god but in the book the the sequence of her cooking and leading up to the people coming over for her birthday is even more painful if you can even imagine it because it's all from inside her own mind so you're really getting into the depths (laughs) of her failing at every single step and it's just like oh god oh god but her friends come through. They are delightful. Mark Darcy is there. He is delightful. delightful. We are having an excellent birthday party with shitty food, but it's still good people and good times until ding dong. Guess who fucking shows up? And this piece of shit, Daniel, mm-hmm. this motherfucking piece of shit who first thing out of his mouth when he gets up there and he sees all these people, he's like, I thought you'd be alone on your birthday. Yep. I thought you'd be alone. <sighs> Neil's face. Neil's face when this happened was the purest look of betrayal I've ever seen. He was just over there going. Like, he was really upset. He was like, and I was like, well, he he tried it. 
He just wanted to get laid again, right? Yeah. He just wanted to fucking prove that he could fuck her again. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then and, laid it, and then doubled down, like doubled oh, yeah. down once he saw Darcy there, and like took oh, it yeah. to the next level of saying, like, "Oh, well, I want to come back to you," like, because all he did, all he want, I, all he wanted was to get fucked that night. Yes. <laughs> That's all he wanted, and yes. then he was like, "Well, now I'm alone, and we could be together now." Mm-hmm. Fuck you. This is the this entire scene. I did two things: yelled "fuck you" and 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 was aghast at how many cigarettes were being smoked. Uh, so many cigarettes. Like I want to go smoke a cigarette right now. I'm not even lying. Like this movie reminded me of how fun smoking cigarettes in company is. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's great because his entrance is so shitty and he's so insidious. He just assumes that this is going to work exactly like he wants it to, and. So he's just like playing a role and she's trying to be a real person about it. And understandably, Mark leaves and then comes back and <laughs> he gets all the way down the stairs, walks outside, stops for a flea bag second <laughs> and then turns right back around and goes back upstairs. It's a very like this bitch. So he turns around and goes back upstairs. It's like outside now. And Hugh Grant very charmingly says, what, should I get my dooding pistols? <laughs> yes, yes, you should. Yes, you should. Let's do this. And then that fight. You know what really makes the fight scene sing? It's not just the awkwardness. It's Tom running into the Italian restaurant across the street. Greek. Greek, 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 restaurant, Greek restaurant. And saying, it's a fight. It's a real fight. And the way he plays that scene, you can tell that it's the first time in his entire life that he's ever gotten to be like, fight, there's a fight. <laughs> he just is relishing it. It's his moment. Oh, my God. It's so good. And then the that scene is impeccably staged, too. The, the entrance of the birthday cake, like oh, the yeah. pacing of the whole thing. Oh. I love that it was just the waiters that came outside to watch this fight. Everyone else was like, we're what? eating dinner and the waiter's like, fuck you, no, fuck, 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 fuck. I'm fuck. waiting on my bottle of Red Cena. <laughs> but this this fight choreography was amazing. So good. It was really good. It, I mean, it obviously this fight becomes more ridiculous the longer it goes on. We we go into the restaurant, we land in a cake, we throw ourselves through a plate gla- glass window. But at the beginning, when they're just scrapping in the street, that shit is like real like, yeah. the, like when guys fight it's not like the fast and the furious no Mm-mm. it's like i'm pushing your chin away from me and you're screaming ow 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 ow, ow. my favorite thing is with the awkward kicks when they're trying to yes. kick each other <laughs> yes yes and then it's raining men starts and that's when neil was like great soundtrack choice. and it's if you haven't seen this movie first of all go see it it's really good um go see it rent it um enjoy uh but it you it's it's important to note that it is raining so it's raining and there are men so it's like it's raining men but it's also it's raining men um and bridget has two dudes fighting over her and they're both behaving like in the street and her and it's her birthday and her friends are just just living living and they're all the drama is sort of like delighting to them and concerning at the same time it's just it's a really great scene Mm-hmm. It's so well handled. Oh my god! And both uh, Hugh Grant and Colin Firth do an amazing job. But I would be remiss if I didn't call back to my shout out in the first episode of Colin Firth over the seven foot haymaker from from up down. Two or three of those, man. They were just like, we need you to cross the plane, and we want to see it, make it really big. And it was like fucking Hercules. 
kind yeah, of... Yeah, I can make this big because I'm seven feet tall. Look watch at me. This. Oh it God. looks Thank like you. it hurts. It, it oh, yeah. A lot of times you watch a punch and it's all cinematography that's telling you sort of how much it hurts, right? It'll get slow or like there'll be like a big take to the camera. This just looks... Like it. It just looks like it hurts. It's a good angle. Yeah. It's really it's like, really, boom, really you're down angle. you're not getting up. I mean, you could even just be slapping him. Like, I, we didn't see the fist. He <laughs> you're could right. just be him just going, <laughs> like, <laughs> which also, from that height, would hurt. Like, yes, yeah. it would. Yes, it would. Um, so they fight in the street. They fight in the restaurant. They throw themselves out the plate glass window. He gives them one more haymaker, and Daniel is out. Uh, and then we get our other... Pride and Prejudice proposal moment when Lizzie is like, fuck you. What's wrong with you? Like, th- it is my birthday. You just mm-hmm. got into a fight in the street. On my- I mean, she doesn't say that, but it's he should not have done it. It should not have happened. You can mm-hmm. when she gets the additional context, when she gets the like veil lifted from her eyes about Wickham, sorry, Daniel's uh, true nature. Um, she understands why Darcy did it, but it still doesn't mean that he should have gotten into a fist fight in the street yeah fucking pissing or in that jesus poor greek restaurant you fucking fucked up their friday service do you know how much it costs to replace a window come on bro it's a lot it's a lot it's a lot darcy's good for it fun fact obviously you can and people have broken glass in windows all the time but it is possible to make a glass window that is so strong that you would just bounce off it, right? And I know this to be true because I have personally <laughs> watched a man walk up to an Apple store holding an iMac who chucked it at the window and that what? shit bounced. <laughs> it bounced off. I love that he was so angry he made this choice. And oh then my God, what a sad People person. got that mad at Apple stores often. I mean, that's an extreme example, obviously, but... Um, but yeah, it, I mean, that glass is reinforced against like cars. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's the level. So he throws this iMac and it just bounced right off. So then his computer, which was repairably broken, became irrevocably broken. One. Two, he chipped the window, which means it has to be replaced. So yeah. he was paying for that window. Two. Three, he got arrested because it's a crime. And he still doesn't have a functional computer. <laughs> <laughs> Why? That's that fucking patriarchy fucking with you. Yep. Anyway, Patty. Anyway, Patty. Um, so Bridget is is pissed at both dudes. Understandably, she Daniel thinks that once she yells at Darcy, that he's got it made, and she's like, "No, I'm not." He says, "Like, I can't. I need you." If I can't make it with you, I can't make it with anyone. Which I think is really it's an interesting. The character is more interesting if. He's like, well, I could, you are a normal person. I could love you. I could have a real life with you. I don't think that's the way he means it. Well, whether or not it is, either way, it's still insufficient because you shouldn't be, you you shouldn't be approaching someone and saying like, I need you because of all of my flaws, you might fix them. Or your flaws are more outstanding than mine. Like you're more of a mess than me. It's just, it's, it's, it's gross. Emotionally abusive. And she, it's a very triumphant rom-com moment. She's like, no, it's, I need a better offer. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Nope. Yeah. Bye. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it's Christmas again. And this time it's Christmas with Jim Broadbent. So it's Christmas with, at her dad's house, her childhood house where her dad has pretty much devolved into a 
deep depression. The house is filled with junk, like he's eating fast food. He's not feeling great ever since his wife left him. And they're sitting on the couch watching the Home Shopping Network, watching her fucking mother. And they're wearing the Christmas crowns from Christmas Crackers. And Allison, how are we doing the crackers? I think I'm going to have to drop them off at everybody's house. Okay. Well, we Just checking. To do them. Because it totally gave me a flash. And I was like, holy crap, that's in like 10 days. Yeah. What are we going to do? I'm going to, I'm really going to miss Christmas Eve at the Oasis this year. I'm assuming we'll be doing a, a, a Zoom We'll do a Zoom, and I want to figure out a way to share the audio of Neil's Christmas at the O Jukebox list, which he made a playlist on Spotify of, so that we could all listen to the same music. I think you can just do that in Zoom, right? Yeah, you can do uh, share computer audio. And um, he could look up Spotify and have a Spotify playlist, and that be our audio. Yeah, and we can make sure that Fucking Spotify's uh, volume is very low, but your mm-hmm. volume is cons- – we can all still hear each other and talk right. over it. Right, awesome. Like that. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah I will, I'll bring Christmas – crackers to people we still we still need to have our oasis christmas eve so to the listeners the entire thing that we just went into was not a fugue state every (laughs) every christmas eve we hang out at the oasis and we do christmas crackers which are those real british like you pull the thing apart and inside is a little joke a little toy and a paper christmas crown which bridget and her father are wearing in this scene you see the little paper crowns so that's what made me think of it yeah and you do really get to see how close they are to each other and how much they mean to each other and and that's cool and then mom comes home yeah with a suitcase dressed all in black and we do we skip this part but she does call bridget and sort of attempt to tell her that she thinks she made a mistake and bridget is just understandably annoyed Mm -hmm. um but also sort of overwhelmed. And it's just like, mom, I don't have time to talk to you about this. And part of that conversation was her mom talking about how the sex has been pretty good. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that uh, click. Like that's Bye, when mom. the hang up happened. It was like, mom, 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 mom. I don't know. Bye mom. 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 Nope. But mom shows back up and wants to ask forgiveness from her husband and wants to come home. And in the most Mr. Bennett move ever, he tries to make it a joke. And then he's like, oh, no, of course. And it's like, uh, that was the most Mr. Bennett thing that's ever happened. Yeah. Is that you tried to appear above it all, and then you're not. But then but then when he says, oh, I was joking, you silly cow. And then he yes. hugs her, and they smooch. And it's it's very nice. But, yeah, don't don't tell your wife that she can't come back to you. And also call her a silly cow in the same moment. Like, it's definite Mr. Bennett vibes. Yeah. But somehow it's still really nice. And I think a lot of it comes down to those actors. They're just really good. Mm -hmm. So mom and dad are back together. Bridget is still smarting from her wounds. And uh, and that's when, oh, no, it's time to go to a, a Christmas shindig at the Darcy's. And Bridget is like, no, I'm not going. Fuck this. I'm not going. And at a certain point, she's like, oh, well, you, you have to talk to him about his cruel wife. And she says, oh, well, you know, maybe she wasn't so cruel. Two sides to every story. And at this point, this is when it's like when Lydia spills the beans, only it's her, her vulgar mother um, who's like, oh, no, I mean, that's it's the other way around. He... Daniel stole, or this other guy, this cad, because she doesn't know it's Bridget's ex, um, stole his wife away. It wasn't a fiance; it was a wife. That was that's his his cruel wife is this person. Like that's the, so. Then Bridget all of a sudden is like light bulb, and everything flashes before her eyes. So she has to get 
some real clothes on, take out, take off her pajamas, and speed away to the Darcy manse. She does make her dad get out of the driver's seat, though, because she's like, Dad, get out! Because he's driving too slow. <laughs> and they have this long, like, scene where he's just like, toot doot 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 down the country roads. And she's like, fucking get out! So she hauls her ass to the Darcy estate, and it's the ruby anniversary of Darcy's parents, which I assume is 40th or 50th or something like that. Janine, what's a ruby anniversary? Uh, 50th is silver. So, so maybe, well, it couldn't be 60th because he's not that no, old. because I don't think it is. A ruby anniversary. No, Pokemon? Come on. Nah. So it's like a, a big anniversary party 40th. for Neil. 40th. Thank you. 40th anniversary party for Darcy's parents. And people are giving speeches. So Mr. 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 Darcy, Dad Darcy, gives a speech about his wife. And his wife is silent, which, by the way, she never says shit. Not once. And then he mentions their son and what a great guy he is and how successful he is and how he's about to move to New York. And this is just after he had a chat with Bridget. Where yeah. she said she loved him. Yeah, well, she says, she like takes him aside and says, hey, I, I apologize for this thing that I, I didn't know, and now I know. But also, uh, I like you, and if you wanted to come by and hang out, that's, you know, that'd be nice. It'd be more than nice. It'd be great. I, it'd be great. Can you please It's a very good me? scene. Good and job, his, Renee. And his response, crikey. He's just like, uh, okay. Well, he, he can't stop what's about to happen. No, like, he, he knows. knows what's about to happen. That, that boulder is rolling down that hill right now. So the parents talk about him moving to New York, which is fucking arrow to the heart number one for Bridget. Uh, New York. And then arrow to the heart number two is when they make some kind of veiled reference to fucking what's-her-name being their daughter-in-law soon. And then the little string quartet. This is how you can tell they're super rich. And then Bridget, out of her mouth. No! 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 It's Zellweger is so good in this movie. You absolutely believe that it came out of her mouth like nah, like involuntarily. It's just, it's really good. How mortifying! And then she gives another like hot mess speech about how we're using one of where Britain is losing one of its best, and we should all be sad. A top us person, really. Going to go to another party now. Bye. <laughs> We're full of single people, mostly puffs. And she just. <laughs> it's very sad. And she leaves and she's sad. And so her friends are great friends. And they show up to get her out of her pajamas and in the car so they can go to Paris for a nice holiday. God, you I know ne- what? Uh, Where are my friends that do that? Yeah. Listen. I'm sorry. I want, first of all, me how many times have i been like julie you want to go to wisconsin and then we don't but still that's that's me i'm that friend the problem is that we can't get to paris by car yeah or by euro rail or whatever train is it a Eurostar? yeah but i think they're just driving to the train to go in the channel it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. Is it, whichever it is they're good friends mm-hmm. i don't know mm-hmm. they're gonna, they're gonna go to paris they're going to paris together oh. for a week just for a nice weekend Mm-hmm. What is a weekend? Um, but uh, wait, no, maybe they're not. They do, however, leave with Bridget's luggage. I feel like we should point this out. This is a yes, thing. Yeah. She never gets her bags she back. Never, I mean, no. it's it's not that important. I understand. Uh, just like, yes, you're just going to go up to the apartment with the incredibly romantic man who just left his fiance and a very fancy job for you. Yes, that's definitely what's going to happen. Um, but how much stuff did she pack? Is well, that why weekend. she has to wear 
that terrible underwear? She probably, based on what we've learned about Bridget Jones up until this point in this film, here's what I'm going to guess is in that luggage. Okay. A toothbrush, because she's not an idiot. She's not an idiot. But she doesn't have her own travel toothpaste. She's got to borrow that shit from somebody. Oh, yeah. Or from, right? a, from a hotel when it's the right. little packet, squeezy packet. Face soap that is not the face soap she uses normally. Mm-hmm. Some travel soap that is also not the soap she uses normally. Two pairs of underwear if it was going to be three days. Because she would count the pair of underwear that she was wearing right now as one of the three days. And then maybe a pair of Jamie pants. A dress. And maybe about three or four too many pairs of pants for three days. See, I think. And like four pairs of shoes. I'm, I'm going in <laughs> no a shirts. different direction. <laughs> Because I agree that there's a there are major packing errors in this situation, but but mm-hmm. my take is a little bit different. I think she would have packed all of her sexy underwear because yes. she would have decided, oh well, I'm definitely that's what this trip's going to be about. I'm going to pick up a Frenchman. It wouldn't happen, but that's what she would think. She's going to have a sexy romp with a Frenchman while she's on this trip with her friends. So all mm-hmm. of her sexy underwear, several pairs of heels. And the ugliest pair of sneakers she owns. Nothing she's actually going to feel good about wearing during the day. Yes. Um, lots of tops, but no, no bottoms. pants. <laughs> because she didn't think about it. She was just thinking about the top. And then like a cocktail dress that she also will not use. And also a bathing suit just in case they want to go swimming. Yes. Which they will never use. Perfection. She will not be using the bathing suit. Yeah. Uh, and then also she'll remember to pack a razor, but not shaving cream. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then in my head cannon, they're actually flying um, and she forgets to take it out of her bag. So it gets thrown away. Also, yes. she she tries to dr- bring coffee with her and she has to dump it out at the gate. Yes. Or, and she tries to drink it really fast and then spills on herself. Anyway. Yeah. What about you? What, what's, what do you think, Janine? Oh, I think all of that. I have no <laughs> thoughts on this. <laughs> uh, my, I'm mostly annoyed that her, her passport, I think, is in her bag and it's going, going to Paris without her. That's the part that I'm going like, oh, now you have to get a new passport I probably? Mean, hopefully yeah. they're just going to leave it in the trunk or something. Maybe. No, she couldn't find it. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> she couldn't find it. Um, um, so Darcy has shown up at her house right after her friends try to take her. He's like, no, 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 no. And then they have this hilarious Lotsie about not actually kissing, which is hilarious Mm -hmm. and then they're gonna go upstairs and so they do and her friends leave for paris with her chonies and everything goodbye and then she's like i um i'm gonna go into the bathroom i'll be right back which all women know is code for i need to go put on sexy underwear i don't know and like throw like i have i'm gonna put my vibrator in my nightstand drawer and i'm gonna shove stuff under the bed and I'm going to, like, put on extra deodorant and make sure I don't smell it. that. It's that. It's the I, I'm about to fuck move. Yeah. Like, like I got to get brass tacks. What's important? Visually speaking, I have to be wearing sexy underwear because men are visually stimulated. Secondly, I need to make sure that I have my vibrator and my lubrication somewhere nearby if Allison is 100% right. And I just have to, like, swish out with Listerine, but then some water so it's not too antiseptic. Like, there's levels. I'm, like, I'm, I'm like taking a lot of notes right now in my brain. Yeah. I'm, like, I should be doing something of this nature when I bring some, you know, in 2030 when I can. Well, hold on, because this is a very specific situation, though. Because this is when you're about to fuck, but you didn't know you were going to fuck. Yeah. 
because otherwise you just do your prep beforehand. This well, is sure. like very specific to the guy I really like. This is emergency bone protocol. Yes. Totally. I mean, I've yeah. been in those situations. So Janine, my, what I'm saying is just always be ready. <sighs> just be ready to bone, bud. <laughs> You're a very tidy person. I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's, mm, I'm always ready to go. Okay. <laughs> Bridget is not. So she goes in to start picking out her fucking underwear and she's in a tizzy about picking out her panties. And guess what's happening in the front room? Darcy is reading her diary. And you know what? Boo. <laughs> Big boo. Like she says, read magazines. Boo. He sees a diary and then you pick it up and fucking read do it. Do not do Bro. that, people. Dude. Agreed. Don't do it. You can understand why he gives into the impulse. Because it says I'm his not name. saying it's right, but it if it's name your and... name. Yeah. Not like it's her diary and she's writing about somebody else. It's your she... name. She wasn't ready to receive company. Oh, I know. I'm not. He's he's wrong to do it. You yeah. see it on the one page. You go, that's interesting. I might make a comment Close about it. This. Yeah. Uh, flip to other days to no. read other negative yeah. things. Yeah, 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 no. Yeah. no, no, no. No. So she comes out in her most fucking hilarious tiger print sexy underwear and still like a shirt and he's gone and she's like, what? And she looks out the window and he's marching down the street with a very like decided move. So it's obvious that he's pissed. Yeah. Well, it seems like he's pissed. Right. And then she decides to make the desperate ploy of just throwing on the closest pair of trainers, as British people would say, and just running down the snowy-ass street in her fucking bikini underwear, a tiny t-shirt, and a cardigan. And she does it. And she doesn't do it just for one block. She does it for two. She does it for like four blocks. That's a lot, yeah. It's a lot. And I want to tell you, in London, those blocks are long. They're like the blocks down in the loop. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so she's snowing, cold. She is running her ass off, and she catches him coming out of a stationery. What does he have? Well, she gets a whole speech out first. Yeah. He, she because she's just like, oh, well, he left me for a store. I'm such a horrible person. I have to apologize. She says, right. it's, a, it's, I'm so sorry. It's just a diary. I was just, I mean, I did feel those things, but I was just working something out. And I, of course, I don't think that of you. Of course, I'm so, I'm so sorry. She's obviously desperate, right? Like hanging on by a precipice, thinks she screwed it up again. And then he takes, he says, oh, I know it's just a diary. I just bought you a new one. And he takes out the most, be- the platonic ideal of a notebook. It's true. <laughs> it's the most beautiful notebook. <laughs> And it's got, there's a little gold thing on the front that makes me think maybe it locks. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it locks. Maybe he's like, I'm giving you a boundary. Here you go. (laughs) Which is nice. That's nice. And he's not Mm -hmm. mad because he's an adult and he recognized, it's a fake out. I mean, it's definitely a fake out. First of all, he wouldn't have left. No, or at least you would have been like. He got her a diary the next time or something. Listen, I'm going to go get you a bottle of wine. Let's hang out. Said something, you know? I don't know. Just storming out of the apartment. And maybe, Ben, for the doubt, maybe he thought she was going to be a while. I mean, (laughs) you know what? Fair. And knowing Bridget, that's a reason. Maybe she needed to actually, like, have a bath. But but what he should have said was, hey, I'll be right back. (laughs) Yeah. It's not not a big one. Going to grab a pizza. Not this, like, 
like running away. Yeah. Going to grab some pizza and some wine. I'll be back in about 20. Don't and, worry about it. I'll be back. And when she <laughs> leaned out of her window to yell his name, it wasn't like he was very far away or that she was very quiet. It was fucking Mark. And he what? did not turn around. <laughs> no. In, in her defense in this situation, if you're in an echoey street, Mark, especially in a British accent, sure sounds a lot like, <laughs> you know what? I don't know. I agree. I don't know. I agree. It's just a vowel sound. Mm-hmm. I mean, once you once you've taken off the 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 sort of um, listen, the, you know, consonants as we call them, it just I'll becomes. I'll get on the benefit of the doubt train for two, and like it was also snowy, and it's snow can muffle sound, sound a little bit. Yeah, make things a little quieter. Sound. The silence of winter, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So sure, maybe. <laughs> So anyway, Patty, she follows him to the stationer. He comes out. He's got the fake out with the journal. And then they finally make out in the snow. Here are my thoughts about making out in the snow. First of all, it's romantic as fuck. Mm. Secondly, he is very tall. And she is standing on like ballet point to be able to kiss him. And you can see that in her shoe thing. Mm -hmm. Also, she is cold as shit. So you know what? Why don't we smooch for one second to realize that we're on the same page and Let's just move back to the apartment. But then we wouldn't get my favorite little tiny touch, which is that, and it's, I think this is after the last, after the um, the nice guys don't kiss like that moment, mm-hmm. um, when he wraps her up in his coat. Yeah. Yes. It's so good. Yeah. It's a really good on-screen kiss, too. The Her her first Hugh Grant kiss is also like a good on-screen kiss. Neil was like, that's an incredible make out kiss yes. like you don't see kisses like that on screen very much and that one was very good mm-hmm. and then this one is also very good and i think but a different flavor very romantic exactly. not sexy exactly. i mean it is hot because the scene is hot but it's very romantic mm-hmm. uh can i tell you something yes um i am sort of of the belief that not so it certainly doesn't apply to everybody but a lot of people in the world have like their first kiss and then their first kiss where it was like oh my god this is a first kiss where you're having like a romantic experience and my first high school boyfriend sucked he just was the fucking worst my second high school boyfriend who was a gem just like a delightful human um our first kiss was in the snow like that Oh, it was cute. the most like it was one of those it makes just thinking about it I feel like I'm 16 years old again we got locked out of the school without our coats on and we were rehearsing something and like went for a walk and got locked out of the school without our coats on and both just started laughing and then smooched and it was so good it was great I, it was the best a, that's a good one I had a first kiss in, a, in the snow too did uh, you? It, was, it was in Chicago it's with um, uh, uh, her name I'll not do names, but she, uh, she and I went on a date and like, we had this really nice time and then it was a little windy, a little bit snowy. So we had an umbrella out and like, it was one of those moments where, uh, she took my hand and then like the, the umbrella went sideways to kind of block us from the wind that came and she like nice. came in and like, we kissed as the snow hit the, the umbrella. Oh my God. It was really awesome. Do you have a snow kiss, Julie? Yes. And it's with Josh Davis. What? Yeah. What? Oh, yeah. Here in Chicago. And we were just at the Holiday Club for something. I don't know if it was like a, a fundraiser, ruckus fundraiser or whatever, but we went outside and it just started snowing. Like we were standing out there and it started to snow for the first time that year. And I looked at him and I was like, we got to make out right now. 
And he was like, agreed. And then we kissed each other. It, obviously, it wasn't like for goal of anything. It was just like, it's the first snow. And it was a very nice kiss. That's uh, Thanks, Josh Davis. That's, that's wonderful. Really cute. That's really yeah. touching. I like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's oh, great. That's just grand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's the movie. Well, yeah, then we had that it. weird closing. Oh, montage. my God. <laughs> no. That did not age well. And I have to admit that probably it wasn't good to begin with. I yeah. agree with that. Like, they made some jokes about how it was a little pervy that, like, an eight-year-old was watching a four-year-old. Like, they made jokes about it. And then, like, to have to show it? So, for the people who don't know what we're talking about, during the Mm-mm. credits, there's old film of the first time that mark darcy and bridget jones met as you heard in the movie of something about her splashing around in his kiddie pool whatever so it's very obviously his birthday party and it's an old like vhs film of some parent taping all the kids whatever and bridget is running around being a fucking mess she's eating all the chocolate cake she's not playing with the other kids she's fucking living her life just doing her shit she grabs a bottle of white vermouth and is running around trying to drink the white wine or whatever it's very obvious they're trying to show how different they are as kids like very very obvious and then it shows Darcy in his little bow tie, like trying to keep it tight and right, like he's sitting on a bench. And then a kiddie pool comes out and all of a sudden she's naked. And like there's a four-year-old naked girl and you're kind of filming her not great. And then the baby eight-year-old Darcy like loosens his bow tie and Neil and I are both like, no, no. this is terrible. <sighs> yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Everything about this is the worst thing I've ever seen. Yeah. So why don't we just not do this? Yeah, it's weird. So if you want my recommendation, please do not watch the credits. Yeah, just turn it off at that point. Go just to turn IMDb, it off. Go to IMDb if you really want to know who made this film. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this film was delightful. I really enjoyed it. It's mm-hmm. it's very good. It's a God-tier rom-com. I love yeah. it so mm-hmm. much. Um, so let's do some scales. So uh, we've got the golden butthole. Let's start with the golden butthole. I feel like this is very obvious. Oh my God, it's fucking Daniel. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, Daniel Cleaver. Yeah, Daniel uh, the Mr. Wickham of the movie, who is, and mm-hmm. there are other buttholes. The mark of any He's, great Jane Austen adaptation is the several uncle, buttholes. The uncle, quote unquote, uncle guy. Yeah, uncle. He was a super butthole. I mean, Home Shopping Network, huge butthole. Yes, Julian, yeah. Natasha, butthole. enormous butthole. butthole. Her mom is sometimes a butthole. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of buttholes, but the oh, uh, um, uh, tits pervert. Tits pervert. <laughs> also a butthole, yeah. but clearly. The Daniel. chief butthole is Daniel. Um, yeah. And what a cad. It's honestly maybe the most convincing Lizzie prefers Wickham to Darcy of certainly the best one we've seen so far where you're like, oh, no, I get it. Not just because he was a jerk, but because this guy is like, well, you know, he's bone. bad news. But yeah, let's do this. Mm-hmm. Whew. Um so that's our golden butthole. Then let's do the the hand flex scale. So where's the sexual tension on this one? How'd you feel hmm. about the six? The six? Hmm. Well, the boat scene where he falls into the pond is pretty good. It's pretty hot. That Him- didn't feel like, that felt like less like a hand flex and more like a a body arch. Yeah, th- th- that's pretty good. But I, if, if it's going to be for good <laughs> as opposed for for ill, yeah, I will say probably fucking Mark Darcy's overhead fucking haymaker, <laughs> the second one. Yeah, I think it's one. I think it's 
I like you very much. And she says, no, you don't. And then when he's like, no, listen to me. <laughs> I like you very much. For me, it's that scene is the one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, for me, it was when all of her friends echoed the, the way you are. Oh, that was very sweet. Yeah. But it was also hilarious because they were being assholes. They were, yes. but you can see him realize that's such a good choice, Janine. You yeah. can see him realize that she has told all of her friends about this conversation they had. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like it's a very good it's a good moment. They're being but they're being buttholes about that. But in like the best team moment of like, hey, Let's take let's like take the piss out this of her guy. in a way that we all let him know that don't fuck around because she's fucking down, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's that's a really really good choice. Yeah. Okay. Um. Uh. But the did we have what are what did we call the costumes one bonnet was it about bonnets chefs. Elevenses <laughs> Ele- no elevenses was elevenses There were a lot of elevenses in this movie. Yeah. Because Bridget is very clearly tits up. Like, that's just the way she's comfortable, and that's great. Like, she's wearing the bunny outfit. Like, mm-hmm. she's about it. Uh, I, I think my favorite costume is probably the dress that her mom makes her wear at the turkey curry <laughs> buffet. Yeah. Turkey curry buffet. But also, maybe honorable mention... Uh, Mark Darcy's barrister drag with his weird Chicago gangster pinstripe plus Ruth Bader Ginsburg jabbit. Um, I got man, uh, Cleaver's fucking entrance outfit. Oh, with his jacket and his jacket and mm-hmm. the fucking like lapel, like a uh, collar. Mm-hmm. God, that's mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that. for me, I'm gonna go with just to change it up. I'm gonna go with. Bridget's uh, weekend in the country country drag, and then she, oh, when she get her Grace Kelly Grace Kelly drag, and then she loses her scarf. Um, <laughs> she's trying to do to catch a thief, and she ends up like a bad hair dryer commercial. Mm-hmm. Like I was just I was just doing an ad campaign for a, for speakers, and this was the after photo. They turned the speaker on, so it's supposed to look like the sound blew my hair back. That mm-hmm. um, I think that that is very fun. Uh, while we're on the note of costumes, I got to say, I'm a little, uh, we talked about this at the beginning about how they made such a big deal at Bridget Don't, uh, sorry, Renee Zellweger gained weight for the show. I'm actually, I'm like really annoyed that that was a thing because like she looked great in everything she did. And I know she's generally a thin lady to begin with, but like, I'm like every t- watching it, I was annoyed in all of her costume choices. Cause I was like, I'm not seeing why that we're making such a big deal of this. If you read body the image. book, you would. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's it's uh, a problem in, uh, for her, a personal like thing that she fixates on, not necessarily that she caused, but she is very obsessive about her weight. Yeah. Well, and I mean more as a not so much from the show's perspective, but just the the, po- the commentary about the, the movie. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I think yeah. that's part of it in terms of the response to it. I, th- I think Janine is mostly referring here to mm-hmm. a conversation that we had in the crowdcast when we were talking about the um, public response uh, on the part of uh, angry dudes on the Internet yeah. before mm. angry dudes on the Internet were quite the thing that they are now um, uh, in terms of both Renee Zellweger playing this part and this movie existing at all. Um, like the audacity of this woman to be a mess and to not be a sample size. Um, like who wants to see that kind of yeah. thing, which is yeah. obviously garbage. 
Um, but Renee Zellweger is one of those famous people that deals with, I think, an inordinate amount of hate. Yes. <laughs> Doesn't make it like, Kira Knightley actually gets some of this too. And like, Kira Knightley is not for everybody, but she gets an outsized amount of hate compared to how famous she is. Um, and, uh, uh, Poor Annie Hathaway, people yeah. whom people just hate. Just hate. Why? Because she's I don't know. She's a goddamn delight. What's your problem? Um, it's notice all these people are women. Um, I was gonna say they have something in common. What is it? A vagina. <laughs> what was that? What was that? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that the response there is complicated. Um, and then there's always a conversation about when actors gain or lose weight for a role. Yeah. Um, in a way that's really unhealthy and gross. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, but she's was, very good. Yeah, um, okay. Good. Uh, good. Getting up to get a beer. Where is it on the getting up to get a beer? Where is your getting? You a beer could. I, I think that there were several points throughout where you could. I mean, it's a two-hour movie, but like, I was fine. It's, I was in. It's an hour and forty minutes, basically. So close enough. Yeah. The, the, Aaron's right. There is that time, kind of that transitional moment between when she quits her job and she starts her shit that you probably could have gone and gotten a beard and mm -hmm. yeah. like no big deal. Uh, but it's still compelling no matter where you are in it. I, yeah. I wouldn't say it was a, I'm going to ignore this happening situation ever. Yeah. It was the montage, her self-improvement montage where I was like, I know what this montage looks like. I can go yeah. up and pee. Mm -hmm. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. It's not um, like a roller coaster narrative. Also a great movie to drink along with. Mm -hmm. Right, like, oh, yes, actually, yeah. It's just Bridget. She drinks a lot of wine. She drinks a lot of vodka, mm -hmm. and it's not mm -hmm. glamorous. It's not Carrie Bradshaw. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. She, we'd be friends. I like to think um, she's one of those characters. Uh, yeah. there, am I missing a scale? We did. We did hand flex. We did butthole. Aspen factor. Oh yes, the shade. Aspen factor. Oh, it's gal with the binder in the bathroom. I thought you said she was thin. There's also you told me she was thin. Every time Natasha says anything to Bridget, that's total shade yeah. too. There's shade everywhere. But Bridget's imaginary shade is maybe my favorite. When you see her fantasize about what she would actually say and then what she does say. Um, her, her fantasy of dying with those dogs. I was like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> no yeah um yeah there's some good shade and then who's your mvp i mean i think it's pretty obvious bridget jones yeah. yeah it's yeah. renee zellweger right yeah. yes, like a renee great, zellweger great performance her performance of bridget jones is my mvp i mean there's a reason she got uh, uh nominated because like that film like could be really grayscale if it wasn't for the way she pulled it off mm -hmm. like she did a lot of great work and it's like mm -hmm. very obvious yeah she, mvp all the way so um do you th would you put her so far right up there with Jennifer Ely in terms no. of our no she's not at Jennifer Ely level mm -mm. because she Bridget Jones as a character shares things with Elizabeth Bennett but does not share a lot of the strictures that Elizabeth Bennett had to live under and find some way around mm -hmm. so I think Elizabeth Bennett whenever she is sparkling it's sparkling against a high a, a harder limit you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like she's having to fight harder to do that shit than Bridget is. So yeah. you're I, saying I love Bridget. She, it's a lower degree of difficulty than yes. Elizabeth. Yes, Bennett. Elizabeth Bennett has a higher degree of difficulty for yeah. the both the character and the actor. Uh, yes, yeah. because you have to you have to consider Great. what it was like to live as a person totally. during that time. I will say though that I think uh, for Renee Zellweger, she, lower threshold. I agree with that statement, but uh, she also has to be a lot more vulnerable than I think. That's true. Um, Jennifer Ely had to go through because that because of those constrictors, right? Like you 
to show vulnerability inside of that is quite difficult but you also don't have to show it. She so. might, when we inevitably yeah. do our, at the end of volume one in Bible and Prejudice, when we do our, um, our like Lizzie bracket, our li- yeah. our, all of our brackets, right? Like all of our, who is the best, who is our dream Pride and Prejudice cast. I think if you were to, if you were to rank your Lizzie's, she wouldn't be the one seed. So far, Jennifer Ely is the one seed, but she's the mm-hmm. two seed so far out of what we've watched so far yes yes Um, absolutely and would be like a like a stealth candidate yeah Uh, you know probably wouldn't go all the way but a stealth candidate a dark horse definitely like Mm -hmm. final four kind of thing yes i could see i could see that happening maybe not the best lizzie but a but a truly great lizzie and i think also um our bennett's our bennett mr and mrs bennett would also be in the mix for the best this Bridget Jones is the Lizzie that makes you think about the character of Elizabeth Bennett in a different way. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's cool in itself. Yeah. So, yes, I think she would make the top four. There's no way she's beating Jennifer Ely and PP, A&E, BBC. Nemesis. Nemesis. <laughs> Thank you, guys. <laughs> Thank you. Um, great. Well, I think that's a wrap on our on our two-part introduction, or I guess our two-part main event episodes on Bridget Jones's diary. Um, there will be at least one more episode. It might be two more. Uh, by the time you're hearing this, we probably will have decided that. But as of right now, here in the past, we have not. Um, so if nothing else, we will be talking to my pal Caroline Sita about where Bridget Jones exists in the rom-com canon and uh, what it says about the dude templates that we see in uh, rom-coms and in romantic fiction, um, which I'm super excited about. That conversation is going to roll. Me too. The two dude thing is intense. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good chat. Um, In the meantime, however, you can follow. Oh, and the whole reason we wanted to do this is A, it's a Christmas movie, and B, who, like, who doesn't love Bridget Jones' Diary? It's our little gift to you. So if you celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas. If you celebrate Hanukkah, Happy Hanukkah. However it is that you spend the festive season, whether it's technically a holiday for you or not, uh, I hope that you are enjoying the fe- the festiveness the the whatever twinkly lights and delicious food so much delicious food and like and great some great music raindrops on roses mm-hmm. and whiskers on kittens yes. you know put a little booze in your coffee eat some popcorn make a cookie um, what's the name of Anna Gasteyer's album isn't it sugar and booze i think so yeah it's her christmas album it's called sugar and booze that's what that's December. That's December. Yep, that's yeah. December. So I hope yeah. you're having a great December wherever you are. Um, we obviously are going to keep recording things, but the next thing you hear will still be in the past. We'll still be in 2020, but the next episode you hear from us will probably be recorded. In, well, no, it won't. Never mind. Ignore all that shit. Point time being, travel's fucked up. Uh, yeah, happy holidays is what we're saying. Yes. Um, you can. Find more seasons greetings from us on Twitter at Podlandercast at Facebook uh, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podlandercast through Patreon where you can get access to the Slack channel, um, get information on our crowdcast watch parties and our Friday lunch breaks, which I'm so excited about. They've been so fun. All of that stuff. Um, early access, some other things at patreon.com slash podlanderdrunkcast. Uh, we want to thank all of our patrons who make it possible for us to do the show. However, we especially want to thank the following folks. Julia Gulia, Kathleen <laughs> Martini, Kelsey Kemp, Madison Johnson, Emily Day, Betsy, ooh, come on, Window, 
Betsy English, Caitlin Reddick, Ashley Tegason, The Other Janine, Kristen Freckled Fury, Liz and Tinkerbell, Stella Welch, Chrissy Shively, Denise Perkins, Kayla Reagan, Rachel Luzon, Rochelle Lefevre, Amanda Smizazazaza, Heather Robbins, Brittany Holbert, Emily Carlson, Amy Gustafson, Rachel Townsend, Steph Peterson, Kelly Mazella, Maria, Chantel Salters, Mary the Falling Statue, Philip Nako, Tara Lucchino, Viv Pickles, aka Laura, Mary of the Grapefruit, Jana Polkowski, Anne Gibson, Ruth McCormick, Katie Kirshner, Kara Marlowe, Trish McCrary, Jen Lander Drunklin, Kelly Bodden, Amanda Newton, and as always, Kiki the Wise. Uh, and to you, thank you so much for listening. Um, this has been one of the one of the good things about 2020 for me. I don't know about y'all, um, but I'm feeling very Agreed. grateful yeah. for all of you uh, at this moment in time. So um, have a wonderful holiday, and we will be back with more on Bridget Jones's Diary next week. Bye. 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 Bye.